y'all doing today? Good. You look good. I, I am excited. This month, uh, I celebrate 20 years of marriage. I'm, I married a Minnesotan. Uh, I married a girl born in Austin, Minnesota, so that's pretty much Iowa. You probably consider that Iowa, don't you, down there, that part of the state. But, uh, and her dad is six foot two, full-blooded Norwegian. I mean, you betcha Norwegian, if you know what I'm talking about. He's pretty much a Viking. You've got to see him. He's a pretty intimidating guy. Uh, passionate about the Vikings. He gets to come to a game in the new stadium next month. I'm excited for him, and congratulations on your Vikings, by the way. Uh, they're doing very, Anybody not a Vikings fan? A few of you? I don't know. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing? Well, let me just ask this question. Have you ever experienced a time in your home where you've been running on fumes? Raise your hand. Okay, have you ever been in a time where things are going good, you're all getting along, and then something happens, and it's like, <sighs> you're at each other's throats. Like, what's happened? Have you ever walked in on your kids going at it, and you're like, what are you crazies doing? Why are you at each other? I, you know, walk in on my kids, I'm like, what's happening here? Remember when our parents used to say, work it out? What did work it out mean? You don't want me involved, right? I get involved, it gets even more messy. You two work it out. What's going on here? Well, he started, well, she licked me first. Well, and they just back and forth, back and forth. Well, that, that exhaustion that our home experiences at times, that that frustration with one another, the blame game. Have you ever had a child blame another child for what they said or did? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of you would like to end that completely today? Okay. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but we're going to give it a shot because I use this illustration in our home and it's an illustration that I want to give you and it's going to work through the whole message today uh, that you can begin as a family to process what's going on in the heart. How many of you are more concerned about your child's heart than you are their behavior? Far more concerned about what's going on in the heart of my daughter, Corinne, and my son, Carson, than I am about their behavior. Why? Because their behavior comes out of their heart. I want to work on the heart. So when they're going at each other, I came up with this illustration a few years ago, and I pull them into the kitchen, and they know a lecture is coming. How many of you love the, the parental lecture? Oh. What a blessing it is to our children. Because usually when I go, it's time for me to give you guys a little lesson. They're like, oh, speak, blessed father. <laughs> no, that's not at all what they do. They're like, oh, no, we should have fixed this before he launches into it. And so under, under the sink in our kitchen, I keep a clear plastic $5 banquet jug. I pull it out and make them sit there. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's going to launch into this long, long story and teach us about the heart. And I go, okay, what is this? It's the love jug. That's what we call it in our house. That's the love jug. And I go, what does it represent? It represents the heart. And at this point, my son, one point my son goes, Dad, would you please give us a spanking instead? <laughs> Your lectures are painful. I said, nope, love jug's out, lecture begins. It's the heart. I said, uh, Who's responsible for your heart? I am responsible for my heart. How much, Carson, he's my, my 11-year-old, how much are you responsible? How much responsibility do you take for your heart? I take 100% responsibility for my heart. And then as a family, we quote this verse that I want to share with you tonight, and hopefully this will become a mainstay verse in your home, and it's Proverbs 4.23. And it says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
We need to be concerned about the heart, but we also need to be teaching about the heart. We want to understand the heart, how it works, how it was designed, what we're supposed to do with it. Because let me tell you, this is the source of the frustration in your home. This is the source of the blaming in your home, the source of the anger, the source of bitterness. It's also the source of joy. It's the source of forgiveness. It's the source of serving, the source of love. What's going on in the heart is so important. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. In other words, everything I say and do flows from the heart. You know, 93% of communication is nonverbal. In other words, how you say something is more important than actually what you're saying. And this is why we want to know the heart. This is why a parent, when they're talking to their child, a child can say something and we get on them because they're saying the right words, but we're seeing past the words into what's going on in here. This is why, have you ever asked your kid to apologize to another child? When you're forcing that behavior, I always love how that comes out. I'm sorry. Oh, I was, oh that was warm right there. I felt that one. No, that was not good. Why? Because I'm forcing a behavior and it's not in their heart yet. And in our home, what we, we do is we, we allow the right behavior. We tell, hey, here's the right behavior. I know you need to apologize right now, even if you're not feeling it, because I hope your heart catches up to it. Gary Smalley for years taught, do the right thing and allow your feelings to catch up. And we've got to get our kids knowing this. And so I, I go, so, so Carson, you're 100% responsible for your heart? Yes, I'm 100% responsible. How much responsibility should Corinne, your sister, take for your heart? Zero percent. Zero percent. And at this point, they're, already, they're so exhausted, and we haven't even gotten into the meat of the lecture yet. <laughs> These are just the introductory thoughts. <laughs> I said, yes, it's your heart. And I said, this is why it's so important. I go over to the sink and I grab the hose and I start filling it up. I fill it up and I said, this hose, this water, this water represents God's love. We want to make sure our hearts are full of God's love, as full of God's love as possible because the rest of the day, what we're doing is pouring into other people. The rest of the day, we're going to be giving. I said, guys, this is why we pray together as a family. That's why we read the Bible together as a family. We have these crazy devotional cards that we've been doing since our kids were five and seven. It's why we do devotions together. We want you to have something in there so that you have something to give other people. We want to make sure you leave this house as full of God's love as possible. Jesus taught about the heart when he was questioned by the Pharisees. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 15. I want to share this text with you. They said, why are your disciples eating uh, without washing their hands. Why are they doing this in an unclean way? And Jesus gives a biology lesson about the heart. And here's what he says, verse 17 of Matthew 15. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. In other words, what comes out of your mouth and your behavior, that's what, that is speaking of the heart. That's why we have to watch how people are saying. Now watch, I'm going to say the exact same words, the 7% of communication, in a different way, and you'll see they have completely different meaning, okay? Let's eat, Grandpa. Let's eat, Grandpa. <laughs> you see that right there? This is a meal with Grandfather. This is a meal of Grandfather. But the exact same words, right? And the heart is determining those words. And Jesus says, we've got to pay attention to what's coming out of a person because it's telling us about what's going on in here. 
He goes on in verse 19 to say this, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. All of these words, all of these behaviors are coming out of what's going on in here. That's why when Jesus taught about lust, you know, he put that in with adultery. He says, you're patting yourself on the back because you've never committed adultery, but I'm here to tell you, if you look upon a woman, Jesus is saying, it's what's going on in here that we have to be thinking about. You pat yourself on the back because you've never murdered anyone, but if you have anger here, this is what we want to pay attention to. So I, I, I want my family, starting with me, right? Because I know this from Deuteronomy 6. What's in my heart gets passed on to my child's heart. Why? Because I've been pouring into them for 11 and 13 years. I, I'm supposed to disciple my children, but let me tell you, my children, they see everything I do, they hear everything I say, they forget nothing, and then they repeat. That's how it works. So after we've filled this up and we've established who's responsible for the heart, now I let this illustration switch to my heart. I go over to the cupboard and I start pulling out glasses. And I just, I love this illustration because kids can really grab a hold of it. If you're going to teach your kids about the heart, this illustration works. And so I just grab all these cups and I start having fun with it. And you can see why it's about a 20-minute lecture. And, and I, I grab it. I say, okay, so let's just say I am ready to go for the day. I, I have spent time with the Lord. I have had a good night's sleep. I would say I'm full. I'm ready. You leave here today. You're, you're ready to go. You're like, man, that service was incredible. Worship, man, that was part of filling me up. Fellowshipping with other believers, that was part of, of me becoming more and more full. But guess what? You leave the house. <laughs> you leave the church. And you start pouring into other people. Well, let me ask you as a husband, who's the first person I want to pour into? It's my wife, right? And, and this will represent her. Now, I need you to know, I grew up in an independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James Version, only Baptist church, okay? This is not an approved glass. I need you to know that, okay? This is a River Valley glass right here, so. Wow, this is a service a little more lively with that one. Anyway, so, uh, the liberals are, anyway, so, uh, but if the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day and the average man speaks 7,000 words a day, I don't want Amy to get the leftovers of my love jug. I want my wife, think about this for a second, to get the best overflow out of me. If you've ever wondered why when he gets home, all I get out of him is, ah, I don't ever hear words. It's because he's out of words. He's got none left. He's poured them out all day, but I want to give Amy the best. I want to pour into her. This is how it works in marriage. And after we got married and we're married a few years, we're like, our, our life is missing something. What can we do? What can we have that will just bring joy to our life 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What can we do that will just fill us up? We need children. And then you have children and realize, what? Children suck the life out of you faster than anybody. <laughs> Every parent laughs on that one. But we, we decided to have kids. And 13 years ago, in this past August, we had Corinne Mae Cunningham. And if the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day, she speaks about 80,000 words a day. She got a lot of words, so I pour into my daughter. Now, this is important. Corinne was 
easy firstborn. We heard all the nightmare stories, read all the books, and thought, wow, there's some tough first child. How many of you had an easy child, first child? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. How many of you took credit for it? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. <laughs> How did God fix that arrogant attitude in you? He gave you a second child. And that second child came out. <laughs> right. It was like, wow, what happened here? But we had Corinne May. She was easy. She slept through the night. Right? She was an easy child. And we're sitting around as new parents going, wow, we're awesome. We are great parents. We should bless the earth with more of our children. And then we had Carson. And after we had Carson, we decided the earth has plenty of children. Man, my son, he was eight. He's in this Bear Grylls man versus wild season of life. And everything was just like, ah, about surviving everything. And so he, I, we had a weekend free. I said, Carson, what do you want to do this weekend? He goes, oh, Dad, me and you, we need to go into the woods and survive <laughs> with nothing but a knife and a canteen. Now, I want you to look at me for just a second, okay? I am what you would call indoorsy, Okay. <laughs> I am not an adventurer, survivalist type guy, but this is my son, and I know pouring into my son is important in his life and in my life, and so we went and survived in the woods. What he didn't know is we were surviving in the woods right behind Cracker Barrel. <laughs> That's what got us through that. So this is, this is my son. Now, I want you to notice something. Husband and dad, immediate family, I poured out half of the reserve. I poured out half of my heart, half of my love jug, okay? And, and, and two streets over live Ron and Bonnie Cunningham, my parents. Retired from Chicago down to Branson over 12 years ago. My dad's going to turn 69 in December, uh, and he retired from Lucent Technologies at age 52. And for the last 17 years, he has watched Fox News 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> So when I walk in the house, I'm like, hey, Dad, how's it going? To which he responds, well, we're going to hell in a handbasket. That's how it's going. <laughs> World's falling apart. Do you hear me? Nothing left for you kids, let alone the grandkids. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Dad, good to see you. I told you, you got to start watching more Joel Osteen. You can, listen, this is very important as we talk about draining our love jug, okay? Our nation is wrecked because of the 24-hour news cycle. Years ago, years ago, you watched a boring Walter Cronkite newscast of 30 minutes. You processed it as a family, and it was pure news, not a lot of commentary. Now today, we watch it streams into our home 24 hours a day, and I'm watching some of you Bill O'Reilly sitting out there right now. <laughs> watching the news cycle repeat every 30 minutes is sucking the life out of you. It is draining you. And guess what? Social media does the same thing. It is draining you. And you're like, if, if you snapped at your kids this week because they were interrupting a Facebook post, you're missing the point on parenting. You don't ignore your kids to brag about them on Facebook. We know you're lying anyway. 
We know it's best foot forward, but we're draining, we're draining, we're draining. I told my dad, listen, for every 30 minutes you watch Fox News, you got to watch 30 minutes of Joel Osteen. I need the, the and happy, happy. I need you getting a little more happy in your step, dad. Right? And it's like, ah. Oh. And then my mom. You know, last week, how do, you, how, do you, how do I pour into my mom? My mom is easy to pour into right now because she's at that stage in life. She wants no more stuff. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every time I leave her house, I leave with a box of stuff. I'm walking out. I'm like, Mom, this is your blender. I'm done baking. I baked enough in life. I don't need to do it. Maybe. How many of you grandparents know what I'm talking about? You're like, you're just done. Christmas rolls around and you're like, ah, more stuff we got to store. But you know how I honor my mom? It's exactly what Pastor Rob talked about last week. It's called the honor list. First time I shared one with my mom was at her 64th birthday party. And I asked every member of the family to prepare an honor list. We don't give birthday cards anymore in our home. We give honor lists. An honor list spoken out loud in front of family and friends. All we had to do on her 64th birthday was pull those lists out. I asked everybody, hey, get your list where it's time to esteem. Pomabani is highly valuable. Just pulling the list out, she goes, you know, hey, would you do it? She's crying. We haven't even shared one line of an honor list yet. But when you esteem your parents as highly valuable, that is pouring into them. This little shot glass here represents my mother-in-law. <laughs> you do not want to give her too much, I got to tell you that. I'm just kidding. That's terrible because we all heard last week, no more mother-in-law jokes. And so here I go with a mother-in-law joke. And my mother-in-law is from Owatonna, Minnesota. And she wants to make sure you know she's a great person. Okay. She goes, I know that's a joke and you make sure that is not true about me. So yeah, that's a punchline. So look at, I haven't even been to work yet. And every single person in here has at least one person at work that sucks the life right out of you. <laughs> And look at you're going, I know, I know. And look at, you're almost empty. Let me give you three definitions of codependency. I'll start with the textbook definition. Codependency is excessive emotional reliance. It's a clingy person. It's a person looking to you to take responsibility for what they're thinking and feeling. And when you start to set up boundaries with a clingy person, Proverbs says it this way. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's home. Too much of you and they will hate you. You're a nice person. You're just too much. You're just too much. That's excessive emotional reliance. Gary Smalley has another definition that I love. And it's this. Codependency is relying on people, places, or things as your source of life. But you know what kids get? I love this illustration. After you do this, and it, it'll take about 20 minutes, but I encourage you to get a love jug. This is five bucks. Keep it under your sink. Kids get this. Codependency, that blaming coming into our relationships and into our home and that fighting and that low energy and the draining and the, the running from here to there. Here's the best definition of codependency I know. It's pouring into all of these people and sitting around with an empty love jug waiting for them to pour back into you. Here's where the problems come in marriage. When you begin looking at the people you're pouring into as your source of life, oh, it's when it really gets bad. It's when it really gets bad. Here's the problem with all these people that I've just poured into. 
All of these people are limited supplies. They're limited supplies. Do you remember the morning we woke up to the dreaded news? Twinkies went bankrupt. <laughs> Do you remember that? I'm seeing some people nod. That was a terrible day. That was a terrible day. It was because your first thought was, oh, quick, we got to get to the store. We got to buy out the rest of those Twinkies. Right? Because when the supply is going to be cut off, your very first thought is, I got to lean in even more. See, when you plug into anything that's limited, it makes you even more desperate. It makes you even more desperate. I remember years ago, we heard, you know, we weren't going to be able to buy light bulbs anymore. Do you remember that? I don't know where I got that from. Like, light bulbs aren't going to be sold. Probably Fox News. Probably Fox News. So I go to Home Depot. I start stocking up on light bulbs. I'm filling up closets with light bulbs. Why are you buying cartons of light bulbs? Because they're not going to sell them anymore. And I like light. You sit at home. One day you get a knock at the door. You go to the door and the guy's in a construction hat and he's got the vest on. He says, hey, yeah, we're doing some construction down the street. we got to turn the water off for an hour. Your very first thought is, ah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Why? Why? Because the thought of the water being cut off makes you fill up the sinks and the tubs. And he's like, it's only for an hour. But we get desperate. All of these people are limited supplies, and if you're looking to them to be your source of life, it makes your relationships drained of energy, desperate. Let me give you a few examples. So the worst marriage on the planet, if you want a bad marriage, here's the recipe right here. Husband and wife connected to each other as the source of life. Two limited supplies back and forth all day long, giving each other the little bit they have left. It's a miserable marriage. You want to know what the best marriage on the planet is? Like the recipe for a fantastic marriage, a loving marriage, a giving marriage, a serving marriage. Two people firing each other as the source of life, disconnecting, unplugging from one another as the source of life, plugging into the true and only source of life, and spending their days giving each other the overflow. That's a great marriage. That's a great marriage. And some of the frustration you have right now, you're going to blame on compatibility. Well, we're not compatible. And that's just, we have fallen for this lie that compatibility is something you find, you test for, you, you discover on FarmersOnly.com. But that is not <laughs> where you find it. You know why? Because compatibility is something you create. You're like, well, we don't really get along and there's no chemistry. You want more chemistry? Fire your spouse as the source of life. Plug into the true and only source of life and have something to give your spouse. Because you know what, what ladies are telling me, guys? Here's what they're telling me. When my husband is connected to the true and only source of life, in other words, it turns her on. A husband connected to the true and only source of life and leading his family is a major turn on for your wife. My wife and I, we are different. We are so different. No eHarmonyMatch.com, FarmersOnly.com, OurTime.com, LastResort.com, none of that would put us together. It really wouldn't because we're different. We, we approach life from two completely different sets of lenses. My wife right now, she loves that show Fixer Upper on HGTV. Have you seen it? Yeah, okay. When I meet Chip Gaines, okay, I'm going to punch him in the face. All right? I hate that man with every ounce of my being because my wife watches it and thinks, well, you, why don't you do this? 
I can't do any of this. We'll be sitting at dinner enjoying a nice meal, and she'll go, hey, why don't we knock out that wall right there? I mean, this just crawls all over me. And, but I'm going to help a brother out. If your wife's ever, this is the, I found these magical words that fix that. Anytime she wants to remove a wall, I just say, honey, that wall is load bearing. <laughs> You're like, shouldn't you bring someone in to find that out? No, 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 no. We remove any wall. The roof's coming down. Every wall is load bearing. We were getting ready for our daughter's birthday party. This is a true story. Making none of these stories up. None. We're getting ready for our daughter's birthday party. And I go, about a week before the party, I go, hey, babe, is there anything I can do to help you get ready for the birthday party? She's like, oh, thanks, sweetie. Yeah, could you lay ceramic tile in the kitchen for me? <laughs> Let me rephrase the question. Would you like me to pick up the balloons? That's really what I was meaning right there. Can I lay tile for you? Rip up the, oh, just you'll rip up the linoleum and put it down. Listen, what you saw on that show in a minute and a half would take me weeks. But early on in marriage, when we're connected to each other as a source of life, those little conversations were good day going on, and then those little conversations would pop up, and it was like, <laughs> why? It's like, because I got to, you got to stop thinking like that. You got to stop saying crazy stuff like that. Don't even talk about that anymore. I don't even, I can't even address it. But let me tell you, when you fire your spouse as the source of life, now I can look at her and just be like, you are one crazy chick. <laughs> and I am crazy about you. And I can, we can laugh at things that used to frustrate us. But what do we do in marriage? Here's what we do in marriage. Honey, I just said the thing I know you like to hear. I just did the thing I know you like to see. When am I going to get a little something, something coming back at me? And so all we do in marriage is I gave you something. Now I'm waiting. Miserable. That's a miserable way. When, when your spouse is your source of life, okay, you blame your spouse as the source of your problems. This automatically gets your marriage in a stuck place. Why? Because when your spouse is the source of your problems, and you don't even know you're doing this, you automatically set your spouse up to be the solution. And when your spouse is the source and the solution, okay, you're stuck. You're waiting on them. A better solution if you want to get an unstuck marriage is fire your spouse today as the source of life, not your source. If it's not our spouse, it's our kids. Too many parents today are connected to their children as the source of life. And if your child's your source of life, you will use their attributes and accomplishments to impress other people. You will spend your days trying to impress other people with this tool we have called Facebook. When my child is the source of my life, I want to use them. And we've fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says, whatever I pour into my child is what I will get out of my child. That's the faulty input-output theory of parenting. Whatever I pour into my child is what I will get out of my child. And there's a Hebrew term for that. And the Hebrew term is, ha! That's not true. In the Greek, it's bologna. That's just not how it works. But we fall for this big idea that, you know what? If I have a successful child, it means I did something right. And if we see a child that doesn't follow the ways mom and dad 
poured into them were like, mom and dad did something wrong. If we, and this is as simple as seeing a kid acting out at Walmart. We got to stop judging moms at Walmart. Woo, wow, that hit a little nerve right there, didn't it? <laughs> we know whose children had problems at Walmart this week, don't we? <laughs> but maybe instead of looking at a mom who really the child's acting out because the, the mom's biggest mistake was the child didn't get a nap. That was like the biggest mistake right there. Mom stretched the physical limits of the child. It went into the child's emotional limits and the child spent, and that's called now a freak out, right? That is just a mess. But maybe we go over and see what we can do to help. You know, maybe we go over and try to, to calm the child down, try to help the child. Rather, not appeasing the child, but we've fallen for this idea that successful child means successful parent. Out of control child means out of control parent. You want to bring some energy back to your home? You want to take responsibility for your life? Fire your child as the source of life. Some of you are tied to your parents as a source of life. No, I can't stand my parents. Some of you are going, no, you talk about an honor list. Last week when I heard about the honor list, the last person on earth I'd be able to write an honor list for is my mother, Ted. Can I tell you some things about my mom? And maybe you sat down and struggled. And let me tell you, your mom is not the source of that honor list. Where do you find the courage to say honoring words to your parents? That comes from the true and only source of life too. And you say, well, I don't even know where would I start. Just start by saying, Mom, thank you for giving birth to me. Make that number one. You can't deny that one. As last I checked, 100% of us were born of a woman. But you can start there. And some of you are like, well, how do I begin honoring my parents? Because every time I hear a message on honoring parents, I just can't do it. You want to know how you honor your parents? Disconnect from them as the source of life. Like, Ted, I need to forgive my parents. How do I forgive my parents? Well, let me tell you, the solution is not waiting for them to be sorry. The solution is not waiting for them to come and apologize to you. The solution is understanding who the source of forgiveness is receiving that, and then you go and forgive as God forgave you in Christ Jesus. You have been forgiven a major debt. Maybe it's time for you to forgive your parents. And that starts by disconnecting from them as the source of life. We say this in our home. This is our line, and I want to leave you with this. Jesus is my source of life, not you. Jesus is the unlimited supply of life, not you. You're a limited supply. And when the claws come out, when the little conversations that we're having are like, ding, 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 everything is just ding, 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 and it doesn't matter what we're talking about, I've got a source problem right there. I'm not connected to the true and only source of life, and somehow, through some codependent way, I have connected to you as the source. No, Jesus is my source of life, not you. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. My Father will love you, and we will come and make our home with you. In 1 John, we read it this way. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know, and what does the next word say? Rely on the love of our family and friends. Our source? No. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he first forgave us. 
We serve because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The struggles in your family right now, I'm telling you, I I promise you, it starts with figuring out your source and deciding who you need to fire as your source. Because you know what happens as soon as you fire all these people as your source of life and connect to the true and only source of life? Life is going to go crazy for you. You better hold on. It will when you make this decision because now you get to serve all of these people. Another way of saying that is you get to pour into all of these people. Here's the secret to serving. Serve with zero expectation of anything coming back to you. That service. We would use the term ministry. We give to spread the gospel around the world and we give to nations. And sometimes people will ask, why are we supporting this group over here when we still have needs in Branson? You know why? We are giving knowing those people are never going to do anything back to us. If we start giving with strings attached and the desire for expectations to come back to us, that's when it goes, it goes off the rails. We want to pour into people with zero expectation. My, and, and I don't know about you, but I have a face I love wearing sweater vests. So most restaurants and stores that I go into, I'm asked all the time, do you work here? Anybody else have that problem? <laughs> Raise your hand if you get asked that. I get asked that so many times. I'm tired of being asked that. I, I just go with it now. How may I help you? <laughs> and we were at one of our favorite restaurants in Branson, Missouri called Sugarleaf. And my whole family was eating, and I got up to use the restroom. As I'm walking to the restroom, I noticed this senior couple, probably in their mid-70s, were just having a rough time. And just, it would back and forth. And I looked at my watch, and I'm like, oh, I got a few minutes. So I walk over to their table, and I ask, how was everything? And, and the guy said, well, thank you for asking. I got to be honest with you, you were pretty frustrated. I said, oh, I hate to hear that. What seems to be the problem? He says, well, your sign outside said bratwurst. We stood in line for 20 minutes. We get to the front. You're out of bratwurst. Now, I don't want to pick on my senior friends, but I can't wait for that day in my life when the biggest issue of my day. (laughs) I got a lot of issues in my life. You got issues in your life? Yeah, a store being out of bratwurst is way down on the list, my friends. And they're a senior adult. He needs to take this more seriously. (laughs) Because they've been watching Fox News all day, and they get to the store, and it's like... So... Okay, let's stay focused. We were out of time. So I go, oh, I hate to hear that. What can, what can we do to make this right? I want to make this right. And he goes, well, thank you very much. So I start offering suggestions. And I tell him, pie. What if I get you a piece of pie? I know every senior adult loves pie. <laughs> so I go over. I stand in line. I buy him a piece of pie. I bring it over. I set it down. He starts asking me questions about the restaurant. And I'm like, hey, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't work here. I said, that's my family over there, and my family waves from across the restaurant. (laughs) I get back to the table. Man, I'm fired up. I can't even explain it, but it's like a shot of adrenaline. And just so you know, some of you are like, is that legal? Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, nothing illegal about what I'm doing. Why? You know why it was so much fun and why it's become a new hobby for me? (laughs) Is because I'm serving with no expectations. They're not going to give me anything not going to do anything for me. It's not even my, I'm not even making money on the deal. It's not, and it's fun and you get back and you're like, whoa, did you see that? That was awesome. Let me encourage you. You can do that this weekend. Go to a restaurant. As you're walking to the restroom, stop by the bus station and grab a pitcher of water off the, the bus station and start walking around the restaurant filling up empty water glasses. You're like, you can't do that. You sure can. I've done it all over the place. 
And at first, the wait staff's like, what's going on? But after about two minutes, they're like, smoke break, and they're out the back door. <laughs> and you'll get back to your seat as I've gotten back to the seat. And I'm like, woohoo, I don't, man, what was going on there? Serving people with no expectation. Man, this will bring so much energy to your home. Jesus is my source of life, not my spouse. Jesus is my source of life, not my child. Jesus is my source of life, not my parents, not my mother-in-law, not my work. And some of you are too tied to your work. Listen, your work is your source of income. It is not your source of life. Do your work as unto the source of life. Man, everything about this. I hope this unlocks the scripture for you. Because I'm going to ask you to take a bold step today. I'm going to ask you to fire the people in your life. And if you want to participate, this is the participatory part of the message. Just raise your right hand and repeat after me. I state your name. Everybody's a comedian at River Valley. State your name. Do hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Of my spouse, of my child, of my parents, of my in-laws, of that guy at work. And maybe this will set you free. You can point to the, some of the people you're with. Or you can point, you know, to a chair or something, thinking about a person in your mind that you need to point to. And just say these words that will set you free in Jesus. You're fired. You will no longer be my source of life. You will no longer drain the energy. I'm teaching now. You don't have to keep repeating this part right here. All right, this is, some of you are really getting excited about that right there. You will no longer drain the life out of me. For I have been set free and I know the source. You're not really fully grasping the message yet, but we're going to let you simmer on it as we pray. Father, it is in the name of Jesus. Through the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus, I ask that many tonight, I ask that the Holy Spirit begin calling people by name. Calling people by name to take personal responsibility for their hearts and then to call others by name in that individual's life that they need to fire. That hopefully they can walk into work Monday morning or Tuesday morning, whenever their work week begins, they can walk into work and look at people now through the lens of truth and the lens of your scripture that, that these people are not the source of life. And they all day can remain plugged into the true and only source of life and find great joy in serving those in their lives as they pour into them and serve them and love them and forgive them throughout the day. And it is in the name of Jesus that everyone agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for having me, River Valley. Amen.